Welcome to Speaking of Jesus. Each week we hear real people having a real conversation about Jesus and what he means to them. We want to invigorate you to invite Jesus into your everyday conversations too. So, what do you want to say? I'm Jessica Bordolo, and here is our host, Dr. Michael Ziegler. Hi, I'm Mike. Jessica, you have a little bit of a cough today? I do. If I start hacking, I'm sorry. You got a I've cough, got cough drop, drops. Though. I do. That's good. I was thinking about how much I enjoy these conversations because they help me get out of my head. Do you ever get it stuck in your head? All the time. And I'm the kind of person who I, I think through things before I speak. I know other people speak <laughs> first. Good for you. Yeah. I wish I did. But I, I get stuck <laughs> in my head when I do that. And so sometimes it's also nice to clarify my thoughts by talking with other people. And I think that's kind of what these conversations, they do. that's what they do for me. I wish I thought more before I before I, I speak, but I kind of, I'm an external a verbal, processor. verbal processor, right. right. And you're more and of I'm an, an internal inter- processor. Right, right. In order to know what my thoughts are, I almost have to say them out loud. Yeah. Whether or not anyone is in the room, sometimes I say them just out loud to myself because I have to hear, I have to hear them expressed to know if I agree with them. Right. Well, do you talk to yourself out loud? Not out loud, normally. I sing to myself out loud, but I'm not really singing to myself. I'm just singing to sing. What do you sing? Songs, hymns. My Pandora station. I've been listening to uh, Tom Petty a lot. Learning to Fly. I love that song. He's, there's a live version of it. It's really good. And you like to sing along with that I one. Sing, I sing along. I don't always think coherent or talk coherent thoughts to myself, but there's always kind of like this chatter in my mind or even sometimes like images. I'm, I'm always kind of thinking about stuff. Sometimes I'll criticize myself or coach myself or remind myself it's, I got to do this. Yeah, I, I talk to myself. You talk to yourself, right? Oh, all the time. To Gollum-like lane. <laughs> You're my precious. That's right. What are you doing? I don't know. What are we doing? It just helps me think it through if I talk. Yeah. My kids, sometimes they think I'm crazy. Like, who? who's in the room? Who are you talking to? Talking to it's myself. Me. Who do you think? Yeah. Well, there were five of us around the table talking about what we talk about to ourselves. Um, and we started by sharing our name. And one word that sums up our work experience. My name is Anna, and I'm a teacher. My name is John. Story would be the word I would choose. My name is Barb, and I am an RN. My name is Jessica, and my work experience has been unexpected. My name is Mike, and uh, pastor. Okay, so now tell us a little bit more than just the one word. Just explain a little bit. What do you mean by unexpected, Jessica? Well, I went to school to be a teacher, but then after student teaching, which I loved and it went great, I got to work at a Lutheran camp and be a program director. But then after that, I was like, I really want to go to seminary. I want to learn more. I want to dig into scripture. One thing led to another. Right? And I've been doing media production and I've been doing writing and I never have gone back to being a classroom teacher, but I've gotten to teach different ages in different ways and totally unexpected. Well, teacher was my word and it was as expected as you would imagine. I wanted to be a teacher uh, when I was in college, so I took the teaching classes and I did the teaching thing. So I'm a teacher here in St. Louis and I've, been, I've taught in the city for my whole career. Eight years now. This is my eighth year. And Barb, tell us about being an, a registered nurse. I graduated from Lutheran Hospital School of Nursing 
And after that, uh, work for the city in a TB hospital, uh, Coke Hospital, for many years, uh, about 25. While I was working with the TB uh, patients, I was a head nurse, then a supervisor, then a director of patient education. John, tell us about story. Oh, man, I could go on forever about story, but... The way I use it is I'm a videographer and video editor and producer. You and tell stories with, with video. With images, yes. And, and you I, do a fine job. Thank you. You made a nice video for this podcast. There you go. If you'd like to see it, it's on our website. Yeah, jesuspodcast.org. Shameless plug. But yeah, I enjoy stories a great deal. Have been doing this for about a decade now. Very good. So I asked the question to get us to- Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, me. Hey, pastor. Yeah. What, why did you say pastor? I love being a pastor- it feels like it's what I was made to do. I enjoy it. And uh, I was in the military before that and uh, also enjoyed that. But I, uh, even when I started in the military, I kind of had inclination that God was calling me to be a pastor. So, But you weren't just in the military. You're a lieutenant colonel. That's more than just... Yes. Yeah. You've had a varied career then. Yeah. So Very impressive. Oh, thank you. All right. Let's transition a little bit mentally and talk about self-talk, something that we all do so let's talk a little bit about that. What's your self-talk like? Snarky. <laughs> snarky. Mine is super snarky, directed at me or at situations. So you make fun of yourself? Oh, or I'm you, just like, what are I you Satirize doing? yourself. What is yeah. this? Or sometimes if I'm real frustrated, I snark talk about someone who's talking to me. I'm in, like, oh, in your head? Oh, okay. yeah, that's what you mean. Right, right, right. Yeah. So it's negative and it's um, self-deprecating and... Needs work. When people give you compliments, do you assume that they're not being genuine? I struggle with that sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I'm, I, my self-talk is, you're just saying that. You don't really mean that. Or they just don't really know. Yeah. Like, oh, you just think that, but it's not true. Yeah. Mike, I'm never going to give you false compliments. <laughs> okay. I will only say what I truly mean. You're just saying that. <laughs> <laughs> what about for you all? Uh, it varies. I have kind of a good guy complex and so when i find myself doing things that are selfishly motivated then i'm pretty hard on myself but then there are times where i think self-awareness i mean well all the time i think self-awareness is really important it can be hard to be objective but i think it's a learned discipline that is beneficial um, just to be aware of the way that you're impacting the world around you and so there are times when my self-talk is encouraging because it's I, like because I can be kind of uh, hard on myself. It's something that I've learned. It's is it, that it's important to be able to give yourself some grace because God would. And I'd say that's not uh, that's not immediately obvious that this is a discipline kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's I mean it's your thoughts. Like who cares what your thoughts are? But no, it matters for how you are in the world and mm -hmm. with other people. So I, I like that. It's it is a discipline. We were talking about Myers Briggs, and I am an extrovert, which for me means many much of my self-talk is spoken out loud yes, yes other me too. Can hear it or not i <laughs> i just I'm like i can't think i need to say it i just don't listen i'm Maybe just that talking is to an myself. introvert thing is to be th that because i do a lot of internal self-talk yeah but you just say it i out just loud. say it out loud yeah. <laughs> and so um and so my the talk that is that i can recognize in myself is very factual like okay do this now or this is why this should be this way checklisty yeah barb what about you i guess uh, i tend to second guess myself and so i 
I am concerned about that. And that's where some of my thinking, I guess, comes in. I'm wondering if the advice I gave was effective or should I have kept my mouth shut, you know, not volunteered a solution or whatever. So yeah. second guessing, um, maybe critical, snarky, or just got to get this done. <laughs> it's a variety, and I think we probably experience a little bit of all of that mm -hmm. in our self-talk. I think it has to shape it, or you wouldn't be, you wouldn't have this self-talk. You it's know, part of forming your identity, yeah, right? Right. Right. Yeah. So hopefully, our identity would also, our self-talk would reflect something that we are, something that I am that's more than the sum of my thoughts. I know because we've talked about this outside of the podcast that you like Scott Jatani. We're talking one day and we realized that we had this podcast in common. And one time I was listening to something that Sky said, and I also think I read this in a book, but he was quoting A.W. Tozer, and he said that what comes to mind when a person thinks about God is the most important thing about them. And I was thinking about it, that in, in context with the conversation that we're having now, and I think that who you believe you are determines how you live out your purpose. The A.W. Tozer quote would, you would have to consider like, well, since I'm a Christ follower, because I, you know, think God has a plan for my life and I'm trying to live out his plan for my life, then I think it is important to to know who God is in order to kind of like derive your identity from that. And so if you're a person who doesn't think that God really truly does forgive you and thinks that you're the sum of all your mistakes, then you will you will live into that. It will become somewhat of a self-fulfilling prophecy. But if you're the kind of person who can understand like, I am a sinner, I've made mistakes, but God still loves me and has a purpose for my life regardless, then I think that affects the way you move through the world. So Anna, I know you to be a, a productive person and you said your self-talk is mostly do this, do this, do this. So how, how would you say it for you? Does your self-talk reflect or shape your identity? Things like the Myers-Briggs test and um, like the psychology around self-talk were big things when my parents were raising us. Um, and so my mom had um, created for me when I was in high school a CD to that was my alarm to wake up. And it was like positive affirmations. I am a beautiful child of God. And like all this oh, stuff. And sweet. so like if I sat here, I could probably remember it because it woke me up every morning. That's and so great. those... Uh, and then she would never like she really hated when we called names. She's like, you can't call your sister names. You're, you're not allowed to think those things of yourself. Like, so did she ever say you can't call yourself names? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so so <laughs> I had I think I grew up with a like a self-talks aware family. Okay. <laughs> and so like I do have um, I would say healthy self-talk. Um, I don't usually call myself names. And like I if I find myself like saying something negative about myself, then it's it's uh, stark to me. I'm like, whoa, where did that thought come from? And like, that's that's definitely not true. I should say da 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 da. Yeah. And so, um, in the rare quiet moments, as an extrovert, uh, I do think that I have learned how to have um, positive self talk and and truthful self talk, but just like saying like oh that was really out of character for myself like yeah i, I should uh, i need to do differently or like wow it's good that i'm forgiven for that because <laughs> that was a mistake that i shouldn't have made so barb 
I was talking with you the other day, and you said your self-talk is like the Apostle Paul. What, what was that about? I just lost my brother. We buried him two weeks ago. I felt that he was ready to go, and he is a Christian. Uh, but I think I felt that I had probably should have spent more time with him during his life. And he was, uh, I guess I was nine years older than him, and he was my my uh, responsibility as, as a, a young kid. I felt that that was still with me. And what I said to him is that I feel like Paul, that I am chief of sinners. And I don't know if that's why I said that. Or, you know, I do have times when I feel that I'm a big sinner. Yeah. But I also know that I ask for forgiveness many times a day. Yeah. Depending on how the day goes. And I think you just got me at the wrong time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Paul says a lot of good things, too, you know, yes, about he does. who he is in Christ. I, I've practiced like you with self-talk, trying to reframe it. So one, when I do something stupid, instead of calling myself stupid, I'll try to say, say thank you, God, for giving me people who bear with me. And, you know, just trying to, or try as much possible to re- return them or turn them into prayers. Turning that negative self-talk into a prayer is such a good idea. It's a very good idea. Instead of suffocating in your own self-hatred, it's like you're getting fresh air. You take it to the Lord. You're opening up this window of communication to Him, talking to Him. Because He can hear it anyway. Right. You might as well address Him. Right. And then you know that you're not you're not in an echoist chamber where no one can hear you, just your own voice bouncing around, scary, but that God hears you. Scary place to be. You. That's not a lot like a parable that Jesus told. Um, let's listen as Mike shares it in a recent message. Jesus of Nazareth actually tells a story that includes some self-talk. It's in one of his parables in the Gospel of Luke. There's a guy in the story who on the outside is apparently praying, but Jesus tells us that he's praying about himself. He's kind of praying to himself, so that's not really prayer, is it? It's, it's self-talk. Jesus tells this story as he's walking to Jerusalem, what will be for the last time before he's crucified. And a lot of people are walking with Jesus, and Jesus knows something about these folks, at least some of them, that they think pretty highly of themselves. They, they're pretty proud of themselves. They trust in their own goodness and their own righteousness, and they look down on other people. And so Jesus tells them this story in Luke chapter 18, beginning at verse 10. He says, Two people went up to the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee, someone who was very serious about his religion, and the other, a tax collector, a social outcast. And the Pharisee stood and began praying to himself, Oh God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give one-tenth of all that I get. But the tax collector stood far off and would not even lift so much as his eyes to heaven. And he was striking his chest, saying, God, 
be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, Jesus said, this one, rather than the other, went down to his house, having been made right with God. Because everyone who lifts himself up will be brought low, and the one who is brought low will be lifted up. What stands out to you when you when you hear that? What gets your attention? What raises questions? It seems to me like it's not as if one person had negative self-talk and one had positive. It's like one had inflated, incorrect view of himself and the other one was pretty much right. <laughs> you know, because we're all sinners. We are all unworthy. We know we don't deserve it. And, and that's why Jesus said that he's the one that went away justified because we're justified by what God has done for us, which we receive through faith, right? And con he confessed his sins. He acknowledged who he was before God um, and, 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 and then was forgiven and justified. I don't know. So it seems to me like maybe he was kind of right before God. Yeah. He, he did stink. Yeah. So your self-talk But so did the Pharisee. Is, uh, they both, they, we all are so low that we need that forgiveness. Right. So maybe you say that the Pharisee's um, picture of himself was was flawed, was inaccurate. He was uh, positive in his self-talk, but his sense of who he was before God was wrong. He yeah. was not in the right, yeah. as Jesus says. All right. What else? What else stands out to you? Well, if you put this in the context of like anything in our current culture, I remember growing up and feeling like if you follow the rules then you're good. You know, like, no, what can anybody say about you if you're sticking to the letter of the law and if you get good grades and if you, you know, treat your friends nicely and if you, you know, don't get bully Good performance kids. reviews. Yeah, exactly. And so, but it seems like Jesus isn't super impressed with this guy's performance review of yeah, himself, his, right. his personal assessment. self-assessment is yeah. um, not, not right. Which I, I think is, it's refreshing because it means that God is the one who justifies you, not yourself. And so the legalism that could keep you up at night beating yourself up is maybe not worth it because Christ is the one who That's makes a good you observation. So it, I, I, ask, I have to ask myself, is my self-talk about trying to justify myself? Mm -hmm. And if it is, then that's, a, that's an alarm. That should sound an alarm for me. What else? stands out to you in, in hearing this parable. Barb, what stood out to you? I, I think just the fact that it just verifies the, fa the fact that I am a sinner like this man was mm -hmm. and that the Lord is always there for me. Even when I sit and go over sins that I've already asked forgiveness for, I'm assured that they are forgiven. You know, I, I don't know about you all, but I have a few sins that only God and I know mm -hmm. about. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel when I read something like this that I don't have to really ask for forgiveness again. It's 
I've gotten it, and now leave it alone. Yeah. But it's it still comes up because the the sin was one that I should never have done, and and the Lord is always there for me. He forgives me little ones. He's certainly going to forgive me, but I, I still tend to after a period of time to ask again to forgive this the the sin of my youth. I, I love the end of the parable that, or it's Jesus' commentary on the parable that those who are have been brought low will be lifted up. And so God is standing. He wants to lift us up, but he wants to lift us up in him and not in our own self-justifying. So twice in our discussion, Barb shared her ongoing struggle with guilt over past sins. But I think that's true for everybody. As Christians, we know that we are sinful beings and don't deserve anything good from God. But as Christians, we also know that Jesus paid the price for all of those sins. So we know both at the same time. You know, when we confess our sins to the Lord, he forgives us. Those those sins are gone. And he does it out of love, you know. This is his his disposition toward us is love, and this is why he sent Jesus. And when he when Jesus pays for those, when he takes them, when he dies with them, they're gone. And so over and over, the scriptures will tell us this. One that a lot of churches use in their liturgy is uh, from 1 John, that if, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive our sins and cleanse us or purify us from all unrighteousness. Or there's uh, from Isaiah, he says, he's like he's dialoguing with Israel. He says, come, let's let's settle the matter together. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they're red as crimson, they shall be like wool, Isaiah chapter 1. So over and over again, God makes it clear that we don't need to doubt his forgiveness. He's not, he's not holding them against us anymore. And so if we know that, then we can act on that and we can leave those sins alone. So sins that have been confessed and forgiven— They've been taken away. It's like he, Jesus lifts this heavy backpack of slimy rocks off of us. We don't need to steal the backpack and carry it around again and carry around this load that he's taken. Right. And if something is weighing on you, maybe it's an indication you need to confess it. But once it's confessed, it's gone. Guilt doesn't have a rightful place in your self-talk anymore. Yeah. When your self-talk is consumed with guilt over past sins that we've already brought to the Lord, it almost stops being self-talk. And it's like the devil throwing old garbage at you. There's this this great quote, and I should have shared it during the conversation, but I didn't quite have it. That's but always it, how it works. I, you think of it afterwards. Right. So. so I looked it up so I could I could say it correctly. It's from Martin Luther. All he right. wrote it like 500 years always ago. Always has good stuff to say. This is pretty good. Okay, almost here's always. the quote. So when the devil throws your sins in your face and declares that you deserve death and hell, tell him this. I admit I deserve death and hell. What of it? For I know one who suffered and made satisfaction on my behalf. His name is Jesus Christ, Son of God. And where he is, there I shall be also. I I've love read that. Other, I've read other things that Luther's said along those lines of calling the devil out. I don't, I don't think I've ever done that, but he was very much aware of this spiritual battle and that the, the true battle is to be fought with words. And, and that's Satan's power is his lies. And so calling him out and, and 
speaking the truth of of who we are in Christ. Yeah, when my self-talk goes down that road and it keeps going down, you know, returning to guilt over past sins or things that I'm embarrassed of, I I can be like the tax collector and admit the truth. Yep, I do stink. I am totally <laughs> sinful, but I am loved and I am forgiven. And that's like my self-talk mantra. I am loved, I am forgiven. The prayer thing is helpful for me too, that to turn the self-talk into a prayer and it seems like my self-talk kind of bounces between prideful thoughts and despairing, miserable thoughts. Like I go, I go back and forth. You know, I'm I'm up high, I'm down low. And so, one thing that I've tried to direct it back is, you know, thank you, Lord, for making me a small but important part of your people, your body. And and so, yeah, I'm small. I'm I'm really not that big of a deal, and that kind of helps me bring me down. But I'm not worthless. I'm not useless. I'm I'm important. I'm a I'm a part of something bigger than myself. Or I think I said this in the conversation that when I get frustrated with myself, to turn it back to God. Thank you for giving me people who who bear with me, who put up with me in my you know frustrating things. You almost have to decide what your self talk mantra is going to be so you're ready with it yeah, you know you your short phrase of, of god still loves me you know i'm loved i'm, I'm forgiven. forgiven i'm yeah. loved i'm forgiven loved and sent so my current self-talk is what you think has nothing to do with what everybody else is talking about but i'll share it anyways because <laughs> <laughs> the things that stood out to me were um that they were identified by their job, so the Pharisee and the tax collector, oh, and that's—I yeah. um, don't know how much that has to do with self-talk, but it—I think that stood out prompted, to you. Was prompted by the beginning conversation of just like that being part of who they are. Yeah, and Pharisee's interesting is it's not really a—it's not like a job that somebody gave him. It's kind of a self-proclaimed. Uh, he's a purifier. Of, mm, that's mm. what you know. That's what that means. A, 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 a zealous for purifying Israel, making them you know, what they should be. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. very serious, very devout, very devoted. And um, tax collector, you know, is um, an outcast, someone who's kind of a sellout to the Roman Empire. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so their job descriptions make them appear in society as one thing. And that's what's so subversive about Jesus' parable is that he's saying, actually, (laughs) the other guy went home right with God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we've been talking about this book Loved and Sent. We started talking about it last week on the podcast, and I I know some of you got a chance to look at it, but it deals with these questions of who am I and why do I matter? Why am I here? And right now, we're kind of in the part of the book, this who am I part. Anything that you remember from that that you, you know, thought was worth sharing that that adds, shed some more light on this conversation about self-talk and identity and being right before God? One part that I thought was really interesting, and so I underlined it and I circled it. Um, I think Jeff really got it right and said it better than I could say. He was talking about finding out who you are and, like, determining your true identity. And it doesn't come from inside. It comes from outside. And he says, uh, when I can't tell the difference between my inner voice and indigestion, I need a word spoken to me from outside of me because our feelings are so flawed, right? But if it's a word spoken to me from outside of me, from God, then that's the true one. You're forgiven. You're baptized. I love you. You're my child. Yeah. 
That's steady. Yeah. And so that's the truth, even though it doesn't feel true, because my feelings are messed up. Right. Good job, Jeff. I liked I liked that chapter. I like this book. Yeah. Again, it's uh, the book is loved and sent by Jeff Clater, C L O E T E R. What do you get to know more deeply about Jesus through hearing this? The way he frames this story, why he tells the story, his commentary on the story. What do you get to know more deeply about him? It seems like Jesus has a soft spot for humility. That's well said. I keep coming back to that. There's a, a psalm, I think it's uh, the the sacrifices of the Lord are a, a broken, a contrite, a contrite heart. heart. Yeah. Yeah. He does. That's a good, he, he, you can't help but be malleable if you're humble because you don't have a heightened sense of self. Yeah, well said. Anna, what do you get to know more deeply about Jesus through this? The tension that I'm struggling with is like the the tax collector was the truthful one, the humble one. And where is the line for that between self-deprecating and being genuine and honest and humble and yeah. true? Like, because we aren't perfect. We are far from it. So there are negative things that are true about ourselves. And so how do we grapple with that? healthily. Yeah, there's a great line from the book that I I really appreciated. I don't know if it's, he says it several different ways, but it's the basic idea is that you're you're worse than you thought, but more loved than you imagined. And that seems like a healthy way to deal with this tension and to let the second one have the last word and really be the defining the thing that tells me who I am. How is this good news for you? Specifically in this in wrestling with this question, who am I? It was good news for me that Jesus knows what I'm thinking. He knew what they were praying. So Jesus knows what I'm thinking too. God hears all my self-talk. So I'm not alone in my own brain. That's that's a great point. That is really good news. I'm not alone in my own brain. That yeah. He gets you. He understands you. And all your flaws and failings, there's nothing that you can hide from him he gets you and he still loves you yeah that's good news i mean obviously you make choices and you try to to live life the way that that's in line with christ and with god's plan for your life but if you can't get there he still cares enough about you to say you know right he, he, that's the guy who walks away justified so there's something there that's comforting so self-talk doesn't get bad overnight and it doesn't get good overnight this is a part of growing as a human or regressing as a human and you might not be able to flip the switch and all of a sudden just have this positive image of yourself but the good news is that this is the guy who's who can't even lift up his eyes to god he has such an awful image of himself before god he goes home right with god yeah that's good news we we try to do positive self-talk by having people talk positively about us. And that does that isn't what changes our positive self, our, our, our image. That isn't what changes our identity. We still have those negative things that we think about ourselves. We just let people say nice things about us and that there's, there's something more truthful and more profound and healing that Jesus is offering um, to our self-talk that I think is good news. How would you articulate what Jesus is offering that you are loved i mean it's the it's the the sinful stuff is still is still there just because somebody calls it beautiful all of a sudden doesn't actually make it beautiful what what is important isn't even what you look like it's that you're loved and that's what's important and that's really when you're sitting there saying oh i don't look beautiful is well, that's what you want to hear is that 
that you're loved and that the stretch marks don't matter, you're loved. The scars from your C-section don't matter, you're loved. The way that your hair looks, even though we're all having great hair days today, it doesn't matter. Like, uh, even on a good hair day, it doesn't matter. You're loved. So, I don't know if that articulated it well. That does. (laughs) Yeah. I think a lot of people need to hear that. And I think, like, your value isn't derived from yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, your value is derived from the fact that you're loved. You're not loved because you're valuable. You're valuable because you're loved. And that's so counterintuitive to everything that we're, we're told in society. That's like the central message of what I try to teach teenagers when I work with youth, is that their identity doesn't come from all these things that they're trying to develop. Right in high school, you're like, who am I? You know, what's my identity? Am I sports girl? Am I drama girl? Am I pretty girl? Am I, I don't care what people think about me, girl? You know, who am I? All these things. And they crash down because none of those things last. But especially, I think in that that age group, they're just struggling. Like, please, who am I? Why am I important? And they do all kinds of drastic things. Because if you think you are worthless, you will grab onto any floating thing because you're drowning. Like, and I, you know, who am I? Your identity is that you are a loved and forgiven child of God, period. And that's your identity. And that's life-changing. That changes everything for high schoolers and young adults. And let's be honest, for me too. (laughs) And it doesn't, all that stuff doesn't just go away when you grow up. Barb, you've been walking with Jesus for a long time. I feel that God's love is always there for me. It's not, as this book said, static. It's active. And I can't imagine not, having Christ. I have known him when I sang, too little eyes to look to God, too little ears to hear his word, too little feet to walk his way, hands to serve him all my day. And even though that's what I learned when I was three years old, I still remember that, you know. Uh, And there, there have been things in my life where it could have gone so much different than it did. I have the blessing of four kids who are Christian, who are productive, and who are such a a blessing for me. And so, you know, my relationship with the Lord, I can't ever imagine not having him. I mean, practically speaking, there's a lot in the Bible, especially in the Psalms, that is like if you insert your name is really positive self-talk over yourself and over and to remind you about God's love for you and remind you of the things that he has conquered uh, for you and, and on your behalf and stuff like that. So, yeah, we didn't even talk about that. We, I, the Psalms are, I didn't realize how much self-talk is in mm-hmm. the Psalms that, yeah. you know, uh, why are you downcast within me? Oh, my soul, you mm-hmm. know, that's self-talk, uh, praise the Lord. Oh, my soul, bless his name. Don't forget his benefits. He, he forgives your sins. He crowns you with love and compassion. You know, that's, that's, you see the psalmist 3,000 years ago, same thing, different setting, but he's got the same self-talk issues as us. You know, why are you downcast? David must have been an extroverted external processor <laughs> yeah, like me loud. and Anna. <laughs> he's talking to his soul. Yeah, there's two minds, right? There's the one that knows how things, you know, ought to be. Um, and then there's the mind that, that you're just like default thing, you know? There's a reason why you can be like, I don't feel like going to the gym. 
but I'm going to go anyway. There's yeah. two things at war within. And the, the truest thing is not the thing that you, when you're talking ill of yourself, the truest thing is likely not that. The truest thing probably exists outside of that. Yeah. You know, it's your perception, but it's not necessarily the truth. Right. And then when Christ claims to be the truth, it would yeah. make sense. It stands so my relationship reason. with him is mm-hmm. where I, I can get centered mm-hmm. again. Where you can align yourself. And yeah. that's the truest thing about you. And maybe, you know, the the fact is that it is not only going to be people who are unchurched uh, or don't know the Lord that will hear this pod. Right. Uh, uh, we should encourage the people who know the Lord to share to share with their friends or whomever. Yeah, to live one, in we, this once freedom. Once in a while we need a shove, you know. Yeah, a nudge, a shove <laughs> in that direction to... to know the Lord and to rest in in who he says I am. And so when I get to the point where, you know, my faith is a little shaky, I think about that. Give me that faith that I had as a kid. And that's the way I am. So I'll share, I share with you my love of the Lord Jesus. And you love him just as much as I do. But thank him that he went on that cross and did this all for me. And I may have to pray for the, the faith of, my, of, of a child. It's so true. That faith is so personal and so holy. So tonight, thank, again, thank your Lord for your faith and ask for the faith of a child. It is so precious. And I didn't come to preach. (laughs) (laughs) You are are sowing God's truth into our lives. I really love how much wisdom Barb brought to the conversation. Yeah, the way that she was open, um, sharing about some of her own self-talk. I think it gave a perspective and it shows how universal this who am I self-talk is. Because the teenagers I work with, that's huge. Barb talked about it. You, you know, Martin Luther wrote about it 500 years ago. She, David, the she's Psalms. one of my, I, Barb's just one of my spiritual heroes. I, I, I was in a Bible study with her for four years, and she has this strong, genuine faith and is an inspiration. She kind of has that, the, the realness of David, who, you know, real about what her sin is, but knows who her God is, knows that she's forgiven, and wonderful stories of how the Lord has sustained her through all sorts of different experiences. But yeah, she's, she um, is an example of how we all struggle and, and wrestle with our own thoughts, our own doubts about who we are. But yeah, you mentioned Luther and the Psalms are filled with this kind of talk. You have, uh, you know, why are you downcast, O my soul? And uh, bless the Lord, O my soul. That's, that's their version of self-talk. And there's a poem that you used in a recent message that right. was some very interesting self-talk from a very interesting Christian man. And I would love it if we could we could close with that poem. You want to tell us about it? Sure. So- That's from Pastor Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a Christian Lutheran pastor in Germany during the rise of the, the Nazis and Hitler. And he was part of the effort that opposed the Nazis. It was, there was an internal German struggle against the, the Nazis, and, and Bonhoeffer was a part of that, trying to 
in some cases, bring Jews to safety out of harm's way. And he was eventually arrested for his involvement in that, sentenced to prison, executed. A lot of things have been written about him. And he's clearly a, he's a brilliant man. He's an inspirational man. Even in prison, he was inspiring people. But I was surprised when I had first encountered this poem about how, even though it seems like he could handle anything, he's wrestling with self-doubt and, and self-talk just like the rest of us. So that's, that's kind of what the poem is, is him putting his self-talk on display. And this was just weeks before he was executed. He wrote this poem in prison. Who am I? By Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Who am I? They often tell me that I step from my cell's confinement calmly, cheerfully, firmly, like a squire from his country house. Who am I? They often tell me that I used to speak with my warden freely and friendly and clearly like it was mine to command. Who am I? They also tell me that I bore the days of misfortune equably, smilingly, proudly, like one accustomed to win. Am I? Am I really that which others say of me? Or am I only what I myself know of myself? Restless and longing and sick like a bird in a cage, struggling for breath as though hands were compressing my throat, yearning for colors, for flowers, for voices of birds, thirsting for words of kindness, for neighborliness, tossing in expectations of great events, powerlessly trembling for friends at an infinite distance, weary and empty at praying, at thinking, at making, faint and ready to say farewell to it all. Who am I? This or the other? Am I one person today and tomorrow another? Am I both at once? Before others a hypocrite? Before myself a contemptible, pitiful weakling? Or is something within me still like a beaten army fleeing in disorder from victory already achieved? Who am I? They mock me, these lonely questions of mine. Whoever I am, thou knowest me, O God. I am thine. I am thine. This week, pay attention to your self-talk. How much of it's negative? How does it impact the way you see yourself? And let that negative talk, the the guilt-ridden, mocking talk that just isn't true anymore because of Christ, let that be silenced, let it be quieted by your identity in Christ, that you are loved and you are forgiven. We pray that this week's podcast will impact your words, the ones that you say to others, and the ones that you say to yourself. Thanks for being a part of this conversation. Please click subscribe to join us next week. Please leave a review. Check out our Facebook group. It is creatively called Speaking of Jesus. And visit our website, jesuspodcast.org, and see what's new. We pray that this week's podcast has encouraged you in your faith and has invigorated you to speak of his love into the lives of those around you. 
See you next week. As always, we'll hear from Dr. Ziegler in a real conversation between real people speaking of Jesus. What do you want to say? And I didn't come to preach. Preach, sister. Preach, sister.